Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heavenwards podcast. I'm Father Stanislaw, and I'm so glad that I'm sharing with you the word for this week. It will be a kind of short week because Lent will start on Wednesday. But still, it's an opportunity for us to take a look at how Jesus sees us and the impact that we have in society. I hope that you will welcome the challenge to focus on uh, this course of action so that maybe through Lent you can also um, pick it as your uh, preference for your practice uh, for your Lenten journey. Let's open our minds and our hearts to the Word of God and we begin with a prayer. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that always pondering spiritual things we may carry out in both word and deed that which is pleasing to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, Hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I said to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his son rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. We are entering to the seventh Sunday in ordinary time, but the seventh week will be very, very short because on Wednesday, we will celebrate Ash Wednesday, and we know that that is the beginning of Lent. So we want to already start thinking about this new season coming in. We don't want to miss what God is telling us today, but certainly what we just heard may really help us to focus on our practices of, Lent, of the Lenten season. So as we break the, the word, let's keep in mind Let's hear the Holy Spirit challenging us, really, on how to live better this Lenten season. 
If you remember, Jesus has been talking quite a lot about what it means to be a follower of his. Indeed, these chapters of the Gospel of Matthew are incredibly important. They belong to the larger section which we call the Sermon on the Mount, which are paramount. It's our Magna Carta. It's our identity as Christians. In fact, whenever we are asked to examine our conscience, we not only use the Ten Commandments, we must use the Sermon on the Mountain as well. The Catechism of the Catholic Church put these two things together. In fact, in the section about our Christian life, you see that the Ten Commandments are paired with the Beatitudes. Why? We as Christians must find our identity in these words. Now, you know, you remember that Jesus has been talking a lot about who we are, how he sees us as Christians, as followers. And we heard that he calls us light of the world, meaning that just like a lamp in a household, in a room, we also let everybody else look brighter. That's our function in the world. We brighten up the environment no matter where we go. It is true, some of us seems to suck the light out of the thing, but that's another homily, you have to come for that one. Jesus also said that we are salt of the earth, meaning that the function, another function that we Christians have in the world is to make sure that everybody gets extra flavor, okay? We don't salt in the, in the stew or in the, in the soup, doesn't discriminate, right? For example, I put salt in the soup. Just because I may not like one of the ingredients, the salt doesn't avoid that ingredient. Like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna put the flavors only to carrots. Broccoli, uh, we can work on that. No, the salt disappears and every single ingredient becomes more flavorful. Amazing, that's who we are. That's how Jesus sees us functioning in the world. He also told us that in order to achieve this, we must have a righteousness that is typical Christians. It's typical of ours. And this righteousness, being and doing the right thing, must be, quote, greater than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. We heard that last Sunday. Now, the Pharisees were a group of people that committed themselves to follow all the rules and the laws of Torah. They're awesome. All 613 plus, because we always have the overachievers, some added on. They were committed to follow every every law on Torah. This is pretty remarkable. Now, Jesus tells us that our righteousness must be greater than theirs. How can it be? Well, Jesus told us what it means for a Christian to live our life. We don't avoid the rules of the church the commandments, the precepts, the practices, but we go through it so that we fill them up with love. In other words, the challenge for us is to move from a life based on obligation to a life of grace. And we reach that life not by not doing what Jesus tells us to do, but doing exactly what he tells us to do. Now look at what's happening in this liturgy. He's telling us, we heard that the word is very clear. In the first reading we hear, be holy as God is holy. And then we hear Jesus say, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. 
Like, come on, we are really pushing this, right? How can be as holy and as perfect as God? I have a couple of friends who think they are pretty perfect. You seem to know them. But, <laughs> but what's going on? I have to tell you, I struggled a lot with these passages because I had completely misunderstood, completely. I thought that to be holy meant to do all the things that I thought a holy person would do. And you know what happened? Well, I was trying to pray a lot more, and I was trying, of course, I would get very frustrated because I couldn't pray all the time. And then, of course, in order to avoid everything that put me away from the path that I wanted to be on, I was trying to avoid this thing and that thing and that thing. And after a while, I wasn't doing anything. I was afraid to do anything because it could have been a temptation or whatever. So I was saying, how can I live the life of a Christian if I'm actually putting myself in a situation where everything I think I'm doing will bring me away from that. Thank goodness that somebody actually challenged me and asked, are you sure you're understanding what the text says? And guess what? I did not understand what the gospel says because I was projecting my concept into the text. I was letting Jesus say something he was not saying. So what is the challenge for us? What does it mean for us today to be holy as God is holy and perfect as He is? Well, first of all, this means that the point of reference, the measure against which we measure everything as Christians, is no longer our point of view, what we think. We have a set of values that are very specific, and these are the values that belong to God. We, as Christians, you remember what Jesus said about being a Christian. He said, if somebody wants to follow me, deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow me. Now, what does it mean to pick up the cross? It means that we consider our values what God values. We see the world as God sees it. No longer how we see it. Okay, that's the part of denying yourself. So we let go of our selfish things, our way of doing, and we start picking up values that are actually God's. Now, the word holy in Hebrew means to be separate, to be separated from something. It means to be set aside for a particular purpose. Sometimes, for example, we say that some of the things that we use, vessels, um, the ciborium, whatever, they are holy. Meaning what? Meaning that it's separated. We only use it for certain things. And these things are churchy things. Do you understand? That's the concept of separation. If you know any, uh, if you have any friends who are Jewish and keep kosher, what, what does it mean to keep kosher? To keep things separated, okay? They have one set here, one set there. The idea behind is that as they keep these things separate, they remember that they belong to God. All right? That's what it means. It does not mean to go around with a halo on your head. I tried. Couldn't find it. Halos are given. I couldn't put it up. So, and I have a lot of work to do for, to get my halo. So, but to be holy means to make sure that I don't let the way that the world thinks 
into my relationship with God. My values are God's values. God has given them to me as a gift. I'm not going to use any of the values of the world and mix them up with that. Are we there? All right. To be perfect means to be complete, meaning I can only go up to a certain point. But now I believe that if I am in God, the distance that I cannot make is being filled up by Jesus. So we can be holy, we can be perfect, if we remember what Paul is reminding us today, that we belong to Christ. We don't belong to Christ as my dog belongs to me. We belong to Christ as part of his body. And therefore, we must become, which is the effect of the Eucharist, you remember, become what you receive. We receive Christ, we are supposed to become, it's not a trick question, we are receiving Christ, we are becoming Christ, because we are his body. So, we belong to Christ, and when we grow in this awareness, we are as holy as he is, and we can be as perfect as he is. Now, what does that mean? Jesus is telling us this. Listen, I'm telling you, you are salt of the earth. I'm telling you, you are light of the world. I'm telling you that your behavior must be different than the behavior of the people who don't belong to Christ. Right? We Christians are supposed to have an impact. We are supposed to make a difference in the world. What is this difference? We have to be as Jesus is. Now, Jesus is telling us something very important. He said, listen, you have heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, which was a revolutionary law. Because this is connected, he was given in the... Um, about retaliation. So, because people back then apparently were very generous in retaliating, okay? So, you lost a goat, the person will take your house. Like, wait a moment, this is not fair. Well, but that's what it is. So, the law is saying, no, you lost a goat, you get a goat. Okay, and that's it. You're not a keep on going and retaliate constantly. There must be some kind of limits. And that was revolutionary. But now Jesus is telling us something else. He's saying, do not retaliate at all. When you receive evil, don't respond with more evil. Why? Because evil plus evil doesn't make it right, right? It makes it more evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? One dose of evil, one cup of evil, and one cup of evil doesn't make it good cake, does it? It makes it evil, double dose of evil. So Jesus is saying, love your enemies. In the first reading we heard, love your neighbor as yourself. Now the circle is enlarging, and that's the difference we make. We love our enemies, why? Because we don't have any. We Christians must enter into this mindset we have no enemies. We only have people who disagree with us and we disagree with them. Is there a difference? Yes, there is. Because when I have an enemy, I'm going to attack my enemy. When I instead have someone in front of me who just disagrees with me, 
I can dialogue. I can create a new type of culture, which is the kingdom of God. This is what we do in the world. This is what the world is waiting from us. That we make this type of difference. I'm going to give an example. Let's say for a moment that I'm dialoguing with someone who tells me, I am pro-choice. Says, oh, interesting. I am pro-life. Now, if I act as the world does, and we are all being manipulated, really, to act always in a certain way, to attack, I will say to this person, oh, you are a despicable person. You deserve the worst because you are a baby killer. You are going to be denied communion and you're going to go to hell. <laughs> there, I defended the faith, didn't I? And I also did the evil voice. Did you hear it? All right, good. Huh? What do you think? What, do you think I was successful? Do you think that that person's going to say, oh, oh, you're right. Oh, my goodness. I never thought about it. No, what happens when somebody attacks you? What is the first reaction you have? It's to defend yourself, and let's be honest, we are gonna attack back, right? Evil plus evil, what are you gonna get? More evil. Jesus said the only way in which we stop evil is not by attacking, but putting more love. And therefore, when we disagree with each other, and I, read, I was reading some statistics, that the United States, it's incredible how many people no longer talk to at least one member of direct family because of difference of political views. This means that we are putting our opinions above relationships. And we think we're going to create a better society? Well, that's not how we Christians see things. We change things around. How do we do it? Well, Jesus said that that person who is opposite of me must be loved. So, okay. So, hey, you know, you are pro-choice, I'm pro-life. You know what? Why don't we meet for coffee, for lunch? I really want to know what made you think that in a very genuine way, because we know when we love in a manipulating way, everybody can smell that. But I have to love that person. So even though at the end we may continue to be in a different position, what difference did I make? I, resp I respected. I changed my adversary into someone that I can talk to, and we can still be friends. Let me tell you also another thing. When we say that we have to defend the faith, what we, went to def what we want to defend is the fact that we believe that the words of Jesus mean something. We sometimes want to defend concepts, and we forget that he told us how to do certain things. And what he wants us to do is to put more love when there is less love. And that's our job, because Christianity is based on love. So now what is the next step? We build up relationships. Now, I don't need to say nasty things to people about people because they are my brothers, they are my sisters. I love them. We disagree, but we still love them. What would happen if this land, instead of giving up chocolates or um, social media, which we all should at one point, really, uh, or whatever, 
we start giving up our attitude of adding evil where evil already exists? What if we start focusing on these words and say, during Lent, I give up enemies, and I just see people for who they are from the point of view of the cross, people that just may disagree with me, but I can still have coffee with them. What do you think is going to happen? I suspect that the person who will enjoy the most this transformation will be you, because we are getting sick. We are not able to see who we are anymore, and we need to change that. And we, need, we change that when we make the choice of following the values of Jesus. And then I also think that around us, we will create a completely different type of relationships because everybody will be able to see better, everybody will get a new flavor, the flavor of the gift that we have received. So as we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that He is revealing Himself as a Father who wants us to appreciate the gift of the life that He has given us. And He's telling us, don't use this gift as a weapon. Bless others. Put more love in your relationships. Because only in this way, we will be able not only to develop the greater righteousness that God wants us, but we will be able to let Him build up the kingdom of God already here on earth so that all the people we encounter, by the way we love them, they will discover that only God's love can change lives. As you can see, this gospel, uh, the, the whole liturgy of the world this week is very intense, but certainly gives, may give us a good idea how to enter into Lent. Maybe a challenge could be to befriend someone who is completely opposite uh, of our political spectrum, religious spectrum, or whatever it is that we may find difficult uh, and make this person our best friend. Maybe inviting him or her for lunch, for dinner, and listen to whatever is important to him or her. I wish you well, and I'll talk to you soon. God bless. Thank you.